Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, the 28th of October, 2020. I think you know it when you see it. That older couple that has spent decades together in marriage, and you can see from the way they talk to each other, the way that they treat each other, they have a marriage that has past the test of time. They have a marriage that is giving glory to God. They have a marriage maybe that you aspire to. Even if you are a married person, it's the, it's the kind of marriage that you want to have and be able to look back at someday. If you're a single person, it's the marriage maybe you might hope to have someday. Sometimes when you see that couple, you, you know, maybe they're celebrating some big anniversary and you, you can just see it in the way they treat each other. Don't you want to just pull them aside and ask them, what's the secret? What is the secret to a godly, happy, strong, long-lasting marriage? Well, that's the question I want us to consider today with our revival from the Bible reading. And I think what we're going to discover is, are you ready for it? There is no secret. There's there's no secret to this path. And I mean, I think for a minute, if you got the chance to meet the Olympic gold medal winning marathon runner and you ask them, what's the secret to running a marathon? I think they would tell you there is no secret. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of practice and there's a lot of discipline. And when we think about marriage, I don't think there's some secret that's out there waiting to be revealed to us. God has actually given us a roadmap in his word. And what we're going to find is the roadmap is clear, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. Uh, It doesn't mean that it's simplistic, but it is there. And I want us to dig into what God says about marriage, because I think we will find if we want the kind of marriages that, you know, that we look at and admire, the only path there is going to be through God's word and through his specific instructions about marriage. So that takes us today to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses one through seven. First Peter chapter three, verses one through seven. And this is the second longest passage in the New Testament that is directly um, focused on married couples. We've already looked at the first one in Ephesians chapter five, and that's probably the most popular one. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's the one maybe that's read more often at weddings. This one I'd say is, is not as well known, but is very important. And one thing we pointed out with Ephesians 5, I would again point out here is this passage is addressed first to wives and then to husbands. Again, it does not say couples. It does not say married people. And that's just the first step. If we want that path towards um, a godly marriage, it's going to start with you. It's going to start with you doing what God has called you to do. So what has God called you to do. And here we see it's kind of a a reverse of Ephesians where Ephesians is very brief in its instruction to the wives and then very lengthy in its instruction to the husbands. This is kind of the reverse of that. We see six verses here focused on the wives and then one verse on the husband. And if I could pull one theme out of this passage that I would encourage any husbands or wives or potential husbands and wives listening to this podcast to think about would be 
you're going to have to look past your spouse to God. You're going to have to remember that ultimately this is not ultimately about what your spouse is doing. It is about who God is and what he says. Let's start with what it says to wives. It says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, which I think that's really even getting at, they're not believers. Even if they're not believers, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So here it's similar to what we see there in Ephesians chapter five, when it calls wives to submit to their husbands here, be subject to your own husbands, even highlighting, even if they're not believers, your conduct is to be respectful and pure. And respect, that's also a word that we see in Ephesians 5 as a key word for wives with their husbands. Well, how in the world are you going to do that? Because there's going to be times where it's like, hmm, I, I don't know, I, I don't like what my husband is doing. And that's where you've got to look past your husband and see God. And that's ultimately, I think, where the passage gets. It it gives you the example of Sarah. It says in verse five, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And if you go back in your minds with me, with Sarah and Abraham, um, Abraham kind of asked Sarah to do some crazy things with him. And if we go through and we kind of parse those out, sometimes those crazy things Abraham was asking her to do were good and godly things. Like, hey, Sarah, let's, let's leave our home, let's leave our family, and let's go to some foreign country. Oh, why? Well, that's a fair question. Well, God told me. And he told me he's going to make me a great nation and that he's going to give us this land. Doesn't that seem kind of crazy? But Sarah went. Now, Abraham also did some other things that were a little crazy. Oh, hey, Sarah, why don't you just tell everybody that you're my sister? And in all of this, we see Sarah uh, submitting to the leadership of her husband, both when um, it was wise and full of faith in God and both when it was dominated actually by fear and Abraham not listening to and not trusting God. Uh, personally, I want to know, I mean, at some point, Sarah had to learn about the whole sacrifice of Isaac thing, right? I'd love to see her reaction to that. But what I want you to notice is, did God protect Sarah through all of that? Did God take care of Sarah when she was trusting her husband, when he was doing the right thing? Yes. Did God protect Sarah sometimes when her husband was not making the wisest decisions? Yes, he did. And that's where that last phrase is so important. When it says, you are her children. I mean, you are following in the footsteps of Sarah if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. That Yes, as a wife, there can be a lot of fear that you might feel when you don't understand or like what your husband is doing. When God is calling you, look past your husband and know that I am there. Ultimately, your husband is not your protector. God is, and he will never fail. Even if your your husband should you know, have that as a, his agenda, hey, I want to protect and provide for and take care of my wife, but no husband is gonna do that perfectly. God will do all of those things perfectly. 
And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. How are you not going to fear anything that is frightening if you are trusting God? If you are seeing that ultimately your protector, provider, uh, companion, whatever it is you're, you're thinking of for your husband, ultimately God is those things. And he will be those things perfectly when no husband can. Now, husbands, let, let's talk to you. And, and you might be thinking, man, yeah, I like this. Six verses directed at the wives telling them to respect their husbands. And only one verse to me, that must mean I'm doing a good job. Well, not so fast. Uh, my personal take on this verse is God through Peter only gave us one verse because guys, frankly, that's all we can handle. And we're going to be spending the rest of our lives working on this verse. Let's read it together in verse seven. It says, likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So here we see this call to live with your wives in an understanding way. I think if we flesh that out, we're going to say that that's a way that's willing to to listen to your wife. That's a way that will be patient. That's a way that you want to understand with, with, with tenderness and empathy. And that's something, let's just be honest, a lot of us husbands, we're not great at that. And that's something that we need to not say, well, I'm just a guy. No, we need to say God's calling me to something better. And we need to look at what God is calling us to do and to take that seriously. And and we need to look past our spouse and see God. And ultimately, it is God who we are going to be accountable to someday that is telling us to do this. And and if I could even just kind of paraphrase this verse, especially there when it, it gives that warning to husbands that our prayers might be hindered if we don't do what this passage is saying. Sometimes I'll try to simplify it by say, husbands, listen to your wives or God's not going to listen to you. And that is a very important thing for us to understand as men, that we need to look past our, our spouse and see God there and realize, hey, it's not just my wife and her feelings and what she's thinking about this. God is telling me to understand and listen to her. Now, we haven't revealed any secrets today. It's all right here in God's word. But I want to encourage you today, having that godly marriage that you admire, there's no way in the world that that it's easy because having a godly marriage is going to require us to die to ourselves. And that, we're going to have to put our flesh on the altar. That's not going to be easy for us to do. But God has given us a roadmap. If we trust him and we really take responsibility on ourselves to do what God has called us to do, whether you're a wife or you're a husband, whatever role you may have, listen to what God is saying. It's not going to be easy, but it is going to be good. Trust him. Listen to his instruction. And are there times where, hey, you, m- you might need help from somebody else. You-, you need counsel from that older couple. You need to talk to one of your pastors. Sure, but it's always going to start with you looking at what the Bible says and committing and praying that God would help you to do it. Let- let's move on to our other passages briefly today since we spent a good time talking about 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's go to Psalm 119 again. And today we look at the letter Psalmic in verses 113 to 120. And really, if I could summarize this one, it's about um, his feelings towards the wicked. And you see even his desire to separate from those in the world that are just seeking to do evil things. 
And he says in verse 115, depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Then we see in verse 117, hold me up. So now he's talking to God, hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. He's saying, God, hold me up, protect me from the people that would do evil because I want to obey you. And that's a great prayer for us to make. God, we live in a wicked world. God, hold me up. Keep me safe because I want to do what you say. And I think we actually see a great example of this section in scripture in Jeremiah today as we look at at chapters 37 and 38, because now we really get into Jeremiah being persecuted. Uh, Jeremiah, he is faithfully declaring God's message, but it is not good. It is not what the king wants to hear. It's not what the people want to hear. And so he's falsely accused in chapter 37 of deserting to the Chaldeans. And then in in chapter 38, he's thrown into a cistern. And it says that he is sinking in the mud, really, of this cistern. And it's clear from what's said later, he is going to die in this cistern if nobody helps him. For one thing, he's not going to have any food. He's going to starve there. But what I want you to see is God protects him. Jeremiah, he he is faithful to do what God has called him to do, and God protects Jeremiah. And we see God working this out for him. And hopefully none of our marriages are as contentious as Jeremiah versus some of these people who are persecuting him. But if we see Jeremiah, I'm going to faithfully do what God has called me to do, and he's going to take care of me. Again, as we think about marriage today, let's Commit to faithfully doing what God has called us to do and trust that God will protect us. And we see that in our final passage today as we look at John chapter 6. We'll look at verses 16 through 24, which famously has the section of Jesus walking on the water. It doesn't go into the detail that we see in the other gospels. It doesn't tell us about Peter getting out of the boat as well. But we see him walking towards them on the water and they are frightened. And he says to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And I love those statements that Jesus makes on the Sea of Galilee when he's walking on the water or when there's the storm and he's asleep in the boat. That They're statements that reach all the way through the ages to us today. If you are a Christian, if Jesus Christ is your Lord, you can trust in him that he is the same Jesus, you do not need to be afraid. Whether you're thinking about persecution, whether you're thinking about all the evil in your world, or whether you're just trying to navigate marriage, we can look past all of the circumstances in our world and know God is on the throne and Jesus Christ, our Savior, he is good. We don't need to be afraid. We can trust God and do what he says. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.